This is the Woodland Hills Family Church Podcast. Our desire is to inspire you and your family to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Now enjoy today's message with Shay Robbins. It is football season, and the Robbins family, for many years, we have been holding off on all the sports. We've got six kids, and uh, we've had older friends saying, you know, the day is coming when your life's about to explode. And so we've been holding off just as long as we can strategically just to keep investing in our kind of core family unit, and this year, we pulled the plug. Uh, this, over the last two days, we've had cross-country, volleyball, football, and soccer. We had to employ the grandparents to help cover all the kids and get them to their games. And so our life and our relational gauge looks a little bit like this over here. Yeah, that's more like it. It's all over the place. Our life is an emotional roller coaster and a relational one at that. Uh, so when I got assigned this message, I, I got to tell you, as I've dug in and started studying and considering, I'm, I am right here with you. The Robbins family is checking the gauges, and I'm so thankful that we're walking through this process as a church. It's healthy. And the relational gauge, obviously, is a super important one. Um, I got a question now I just want to kick off our conversation with, and the question is this. Are you lonely relationally overwhelmed or both. So loneliness is, you know, when you look this up on the internet, I was looking for statistics and I'm always wary with statistics because you can pretty much find anything that you want um, if you want a desired outcome. But as I was looking at the different statistics in regard to loneliness in the United States, kind of all the charts and graphs look the same. This one happens to be a survey of 10,000 U.S. adults and it was taken in 2019. So this is actually pre-pandemic information. But it says 61% of all U.S. adults reported feeling lonely, which is up 7% from last year. Gen Z, so our, our young adults, at 79%. Millennials, 71% feel lonely and 50% of boomers. And so, as you can imagine, going through the pandemic, that did not help our our case with loneliness, but loneliness is an issue. Well, on the other hand, um, what I would call being relationally overwhelmed, what does that look like? It looks a little bit like this. You guys probably know the feeling. These actually, they represent relationships. We know it's not the truest form of relationship, but that is a reality. And I've spent most of my, my career working with teenagers, and uh, I'm watching teenagers experiencing, experience relational pressure that I never had to. 
In fact, you know, when I was a kid, many of you guys experienced the same thing. It doesn't matter what relational tension I faced at school. So whether it's being bullied or picked on or lonely at a new school, uh, not getting any playing time, all of those emotional battles. When I came home, for those of us who even had a decent family life, you'd come home and it was a place of peace, rest, shelter, protection. Well, the kids that are growing up with phones, their social pressures, they never turn off. They wake up with those social pressures and they go to bed with those social pressures. And you guys, we, we all kind of know these, these alerts, these red notification badges, they have a strange power, do they not? Some of you are weirdly comfortable with 7,348, um, you know, emails in your inbox. The rest of us feel like we need to check all of these to get that red dot off of there all the time. And you've got teenagers that are growing up under that weight of pressure. That's a lot of pressure that never lets off. Guess what happens to the relational gauges? They all get out of whack. Now, what's even more fascinating is you can be both lonely and relationally overwhelmed at the same time. In fact, the two often go hand in hand because all of these relationships are not meeting the true desire for relationship that we've been wired with. So that's where I want to start. How are, how are we wired? What's this, the biblical foundation of relationships? And we're going to springboard off of that. So I want to go to uh, Genesis 1.26. We're going to talk about how God has designed us for relationships from the very beginning. So even in the creation account, right off the bat, Genesis 1.26, it said, Then God said... Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky, over the livestock and over all the earth and over every crawling thing that crawls on the earth. God said, let us make man in our. It's pointing to the triune God, the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Three persons, one God operating in relationship. And he designed us after himself, made us in, he said, let us make them in our image, made for relationships. As you go through the scripture and you see the Trinity come to life, you see, if you go to Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus was baptized, his cousin John baptized him, and when he comes up out of the water, the Holy Spirit lands on Jesus in the form of a dove, and then the Father, Father God's voice boomed out of the heavens. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Relationship. Then you go to the end of the book of Matthew when Jesus gives his final charge in the Great Commission. He said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in relationship. You see in John chapter 1. John says, in the beginning was the Word. He's speaking of Jesus. And he says, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning, with God, all things came into being by him, and apart from him, nothing came into being. Jesus is there with God and the Spirit, working in unison in relationship. Colossians chapter 1, verse 17, speaking of Jesus, Paul writes, and he is before all things, and in him 
all things hold together. Jesus was involved in the creation of relationships. Then watch right off the bat, the first human relationship. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. It's not good to be alone. My wife wakes up every morning and she goes to each one of her kids and she says, come get your 20 seconds of physical touch. Right? I don't know. She's, some Instagram post told us that, you know, so we're out there just hugging away um, to get our physical touch. We're designed for it. Watch what Jesus says in John 15. He says, this is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. You can't have love without relationship. Love's got to land on something. And then Ephesians 4, 15 and 16, Paul's writing the, the church at Ephesus and he's instructing them, this is how the body of Christ is to work together. He says, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, that is Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. He uses the analogy of the human, the physical body. In order for the human physical body to function in its highest order, every single part is necessary. Every ligament, tendon, all parts of the skeletal structure, your nerves, your brain synapses, your cellular structure, everything's required for the body to work in harmony. So it is with the body of Christ. Everyone who's a part of this body is necessary. And what Paul's establishing is, he says that we use our gifts together to grow in all aspects in Jesus. In other words, simply put, growth happens in community. It happens in relationship. So <clears throat> if we're going to talk about relationships, um, we're going to operate with the understanding that relationships are powerful, that they have influence. As we head off in this conversation, we want to recognize that those close to you, they influence you. So it's important who you choose. Who do you choose? Who do you not choose? You know, interestingly, uh, when we talk about influence, if I was to call one of these young men over here up to the front of the stage and ask him, would it be easier for me to pull you up on stage or for you to pull me down off the stage? Which one's easier? To be pulled down. It's easier to pull someone down than it is to lift someone up. With that simple principle in place, it's important who we choose. Well, the scripture tells us a ton about the kind of people we, we should place in our life. Proverbs specifically, we're just going to scratch the surface, but Proverbs is chock full of instruction on your relationships. Proverbs 12, 26, the righteous person is a guide to his neighbor, but the wicked leads them astray. Righteous, I always define that. Righteous means right in the eyes of God. Right in the eyes of God. So it's in other words, it's someone who walks in a relationship with Christ. That's where we get our righteousness from. And, when, and that, those kinds of people, they're a guide to their neighbors. 
They're an influence that lifts people up. But the way of the wicked leads them astray. That tells me that we need to be cautious with our relationships. Here's another one. Proverbs 18, 24. A person of too many friends comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You know, we can actually have too many friends to where we're, we become emotionally stretched thin, relationally exhausted because we're trying to meet the needs of all these people in our life. Well, it says that the, the true quality of his friend is the one that sticks closer than a brother. That's like family. And this next one piggybacks off of it. Proverbs 17, 17 says, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. Now, this does not mean that brothers are, are allowed to fight with each other. That's not what it means, right? When it says a brother is born for adversity, that's like we go to war together. If, if you're in, in a battle, I'm beside you. I'm with you. That's a true friendship. Now, some of you, uh, you might be stressed out relationally because you have too many VDPs in your life and not enough VIPs. Let me define that. A VDP is a very draining person. A VIP is a very inspiring person. VDPs and VIPs. So my question for you is, how do we best prioritize our time for those who matter most? This might be the most important question that we answer today. How do you do that? Well, in, in just about every conversation, when we ask questions about our faith and our life, in this church, you're always going to hear the same thing. Let's look to Jesus as our model and our example of how we carry about ourselves in healthy relationships. Well, what did Jesus do? Right? It says that as you read through the scripture and you see that the storyline of Jesus' life, one of the headlines was that he loves everybody. In fact, he died for the sins of the whole world. He gave his life for the whole world. He loved everybody. Church history tells us, though, there's about 120 followers that followed him around and, and were participated in his ministry from city to city. He trained 120, but he only discipled 12. There was 12 that were like family. They were in the room together. But even in that, he, he mentored three. Peter, James, and John, those three, they, they got special access to Jesus. And I believe the reason he did that is because he had placed a special call of influence in their life. And Jesus knew, I need to invest in these three men because they're going to be the most significant leaders in the spread of my church. Now, what's fascinating to me about this is Jesus, being fully God, had the miraculous capacity to love any number of people. But when he took on human flesh, he also took on some of our human limitations so that he could be an example to us. You look at Jesus's life and he, and he it was amazing how he limited himself relationally so that he could go deep and prepare a few really well. Well, he did that on purpose. He wanted to show us with our human limitations what it looks like to live in a relationally healthy way. 
Well, you and your family, you need a target to aim for as you're processing through this. And I love this series because it helps us to be introspective, right? To hold up a mirror in front of our lives and, and to humbly ask God, Lord, reveal to me the areas in my life that are unhealthy and help me grow in those ways that my influence on the world around me would be multiplied. And so in this, this relational uh, conversation, I want to give you a target. Do we got any uh, archers out there? It's officially Missouri bow hunting season. And some of us are really fired up about it. All right. Um, but, but at the beginning of bow season or before it, if you're more disciplined than me, you pull out your bow and you start firing those arrows and you get your pattern dialed in. You've got a target to aim for and you're disciplined to hit the bullseye. Well, our relational bullseye looks like this. Obviously, Jesus, we place him relationally at the center. He is the bullseye target for your relationships. It's where you start every single day, my relationship with Jesus. He is the source of life. Then moving outside that, just outside the bullseye is those people that are most important to you. It's your marriage, your family, and your loyal friends. It's your core people. Then outside of that, the next ring, you've got good friends and community around that. This is your, uh, where I see the church body uh, out in this area with the core friends inside of that. These are all positive influence, all positive relationships. Relationships that actually put fuel in your tank rather than take fuel out of it. Then the next one around this is possibilities. And this is, this is an interesting zone because there might be some VIPs or VDPs that need to shift places. And there's also seasons of life. There's seasons of life where friends come and go, where they move in and out of your life. And that's healthy and that's okay. You don't have to continue to be everything to everybody who you walk in uh, some of these core relationships with a whole, for a whole life. Some you do. Others you don't. But these are possibilities. They can either be very inspiring people or they can be very draining people. And we've got to be discerning in this part of the target. And then finally, there's, there's the danger zone. This is the arrow that goes over the back of your 12-point buck. It's devastating. All right? And on the outside of your target, we're, we're to beware of toxic relationships. Now, what do you do if you're very draining people or your children? You're stuck with them. All right? We, uh, we've had series in the past that have covered these toxic relationships, and, and, and we don't have the time to dive down the, those rabbit holes and how to handle all of the complexities of those toxic relationships. But the important thing to know is they're not on your target. They need to be off the target. And what I want you to think about is if I gave you 12 arrows, where would your arrows land on this target currently? As an archer, when you pull out your bow first thing in the season, you start shooting, your, your pattern or your grouping is spread out. And you, may, you need to make adjustments. You need to tighten up your sights. 
You need to get your breathing right. You need to get your elbow high. You need to find your resting place. And you begin to tighten your pattern until, you're, until you get to the point where you're like, okay, I'm on target. And that's what we get to do as we self-examine. We look at our relationships and recognize my pattern right now, it's all over the place. I've got none that are placed on the bullseye right now. And they're scattered all, all, all over the target. Well, sometimes... I think when, when we're led down a path of self-reflection, sometimes we can feel discouraged. It's like feeling like I'm so far behind or, or uh, you know, just reaching a point of apathy where I just, I, I feel like I want to give up. Well, I want to encourage you. Relationships with God's grace, they can get better in a hurry. In fact, if your pattern's all spread out here and, and, and sitting here right now today, you realize there are people, I am, my gauge right now relationally is unhealthy. And it's because I don't have enough arrows in the center of this target. Well, when, when we do self-reflection, one of your most pr uh, precious commodities is humility. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will lift you up. When we have the humility to recognize, I am, I'm off target right now. You can change the trajectory of your relational life today, like walking out of here. And it might sound a little something like this with a loved one. Son, daughter, wife, best friend, grandma. I recognize today that that my arrows are scattered about and my relational gauge is off right now because I haven't been spending enough time with you. Will you please forgive me? And you know what? I want to do you one better. Can I take you on a date tonight? Can I take you on a camping trip next weekend? Can we go on a walk tonight? Can I take you up to the Chiefs game? Let's go. You can still make it. Right? But I, I think sometimes relationally we make it harder than it is, and it's typically just pride standing in the way. If you want, if you want relational health, you're going to have to humble yourself and take some steps to rearrange your pattern. So just as an example... The Robins have a target. Uh, our target is, is what we call the Robins family values. We have 10 because we can't agree on six. And, and it, we, we established them years ago between husband and wife. And um, I've adopted them with our kids. We've got a big chalkboard right in our living room. If you've ever been over, you've seen the Robins family values. Most breakfasts in the morning when dad's uh, making toast or cooking some eggs, we're going through one family value with the kids. And one of, our, uh, one of our favorite family values, and we do this in the morning so we can set the culture in our home, so we're focused on our target, is that Robins stick together. And we always go to Ecclesi Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. And I'll be there at the breakfast table, and I'll ask the kids, I'll say, 
Two are better than one, and they'll respond because they have a good return for their labor. When one falls down, the other one lifts him up. I'll say a cord of three strands, it's not easily broken. A cord of eight strands can never be broken. And we do that because we have a target as a family. We are convincing our kids from a very young age. Yes, it's an indoctrination. (laughs) We're convincing them that we are our favorite people. And if you can't get along with your, your siblings, you're sure not hanging out with your friends because Robins stick together. That's our target. And so based off of that target, we make decisions. We make decisions, and oftentimes these decisions means we're saying no to good things so that we can say yes to the best things. Right now, we're in a season where we've got all these sports going on, but strategically as a family, we made a decision that we're going to do the fall through mid-October, and then we're not going to do any winter sports. They would love to do them. They'd probably be great at them. We'd have fun doing it. But it's too much. We need to pump the brakes as a family. We need to be together. We need dinner together every night. We want that. I had such a cool conversation with my son. We were at um, uh, tequilas in, in Kimberling City. I wasn't drinking tequilas. I was eating it. It's actually the special de la casa. I like to trade out the chicken for steak. Let's go. Come on. Right? Let's go. Um, And so we're sitting there, we're eating the special day of the casa, and I was telling the kids, I I think I had three kids with me, and I was telling them, you know, mom and dad are a little bit nervous about this fall because of how busy our schedule will be. And they said, why? I said, well, busyness can pull families apart, even good things. And Knox, my 10-year-old, he said, dad, if that ever happens, you pull us out. And I was like, ah. I will. Our family is more important than our sports. It's more important than our activities, more important than busyness, work, whatever. That, that, our target, it's those precious people. They're most important to us. So let's read this Ecclesiastes passage together. It says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion But woe to the one who falls when there's not another to lift him up. Furthermore, if two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? And if one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart. Relationships. So the purpose of our whole Check the Gages series is that we might be in a healthy place where we can trans, uh, transition from inward reflection to outward influence. The more healthy we are, the more impact we can have on the world around us. So I want to shift our focus and, and answer the question just with a couple bullet points. How, how to be a VIP, a very inspiring person. What does that look like for us? So here's, here's just a few ideas. Number one. Ask questions and seek understanding. We can sit around and talk sports and politics all day long. But if we never get down to our feelings, 
We're not, we're not meeting a relational need. Playing, uh, uh, playing a round of golf, it creates chemistry. It's fun. It's, it's a good way to build relationships. That's healthy. But there's another level of desired relationship, and that is to be known on a deep level. And it's going to require that you ask intentional questions. Tell me about the hardest thing in your life right now. What's draining you the most? What's bringing you the most joy? What's, what's most, the most energizing thing in your family right now? Tell me about your relationship with your dad. What's that like? When we ask these questions, we, we invite someone in to a real relationship, to truly be known on a deep level. And that's, that's the first step in being a very inspiring person. Next one, intentionally speak life into people through encouragement. I'm such a believer in the power of encouraging words. Your words matter. And you can actually wield encouraging words as much as you choose to. There are some people that, that, that maybe are gifted in the way of encouragement, but we all have that tool in our toolbox. And you can become more skilled and more intentional with it to the extent that you choose. <clears throat> Excuse me. Next one. Bring joy to the relationship. Some of you have been blessed with the uh, gift of being critical natured. <laughs> right? Some of your, your critical thoughts and your guardian nature, they're actually very valuable. They, they can be uh, highly influential in protecting your family or building a business or creating a system. Like those are valuable. But if all you bring to a relationship is criticism, you're going to be a very draining person. <coughs> Excuse me. Bring joy to the relationship. Laugh. Take yourself lightly. Enjoy. Be full of gratitude for the good blessings in life. When you're with people like that, it's like a magnet, right? You want to you be with them and then you want to go with them. Their energy and their passion for life, they are uplifting forces. And you can be that. Number four, endure uh, suffering and sadness with loved ones. Ted and I were in a text conversation this week talking about how there's both so much joy and there is so much difficulty in life all at the same time. And the best friends are the ones that rally to your side when you're hurting. I think sometimes when people are walking through hardship, our fleshly nature is to kind of walk around them, to skirt around that hardship and to not enter in it. Maybe thinking, oh, it's just their private thing. I'm going to let them deal with it. That's not what the scripture says about hardship. It says a brother's born for adversity. And those are the best friends in life that rally to your side when you need them the most. Here's the last two. Don't allow your relationships to be one-sided. This is a really good self-reflection. In your relationships, who is doing most of the question asking and most of the talking? You want to be in a, in a mutual relationship. And granted, there, there's relationships where you have uh, an authority or someone you respect or a mentor, someone you go to for wisdom, and perhaps the, the conversation is often focused on you. 
Well, that doesn't mean that that person doesn't have emotional and relational needs too. You can turn to them and, and with intentional gratitude say, listen, you are doing so much for me and I just want to thank you. You are so wise and so skilled and it is helping me along my way. Can I buy your lunch today? Right? Just that much, that 30 seconds can put fuel in the relational tank of somebody who's investing in you. Don't allow your relationships to be one-sided. Here's the last one. Leave people better than how you found them. One of, one of the uh, people I look up to the most, a guy named Ward Wiebe, and his, his deal is, and I've told it to you before, but his pursuit in every uh, relational interaction is to leave that person closer to Jesus than when he found them. Every, every conversation, his conversations with his wife, with his boys over the phone, interaction with the cashier or waitress, that is his pursuit. And I, I think that ought to be ours as well, relationally. That's what a very inspiring person does, is they move people closer to Jesus. And we have that, that capacity for influence. Let me close this way. I want to just reiterate the relationship, the origin of relationships, they come from God. He created them because he loves them. And he created us to be in relationship. And he did it because he wants, to, he wants us to experience that love through those relationships. They all work together. And perhaps your relationship with God today is a little bit fractured. Or perhaps your pattern is spread out and you realize, I don't think I have a single arrow on the bullseye. I'm going to come back to that humility factor. You are one humble conversation from God away from being back in that intimate relationship. You don't need to get cleaned up. You don't need to get your act together. He just wants you right where you're at. And he will happily help you along your way. God loves you and he wants a relationship with you today and it's available to you. If you would, let's go ahead and stand up and I'm gonna pray over our church body. Father, we, uh, we come to you today and I just wanna pray over our church. I wanna pray, God, that you would help us to walk in healthy relationships. I want to pray, God, for the humility and the conviction to take active steps towards repairing and making healthy relationships and especially honoring those who deserve the most of our attention, God. I want to pray that you would, um, that you would fill our tank and that you'd put a relational gauge on full. Help us to lead us to that place. And the, we pray it in uh, the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.